Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tommy Hall, but for ghosts. But for ghosts. Uh, how's everyone doing? I wish I wish there was a, a way that we can be like, respond now to us. We should we should just budget that time in. How are you doing today? Pause. Pause. Oh, us too. Yeah, absolutely. A little tired. Yeah. But, you know, that's New York for you. Yeah, last night, just, you know. How uh, was your night last night? How was your night? Oh, <laughs> you did what? No. What? She uh, didn't. Gosh. This went on for far too long. Um, So happy to, to, to be back. This is episode 30. Ah! I don't know why I pulled away from the microphone in hopes that my ears <laughs> wouldn't be blasted. Um, Sorry, listeners. Um, Episode 30 of the pod, you guys. We have done 30 of these. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, we've only been on the air for about a little over six months, starting in July. Yeah, that's, that's seven months. So there it is. That's a lot. Um, but so excited to uh, to keep doing the thing. Um, we just want to continue um, doing the thing. Doing the thing. <laughs> um, and if you want to help us continue doing the thing, uh, head on over our Patreon. I know we keep like heavy plugging Patreon, well, but you know we really need equipment. <laughs> so um, maybe pa- we should send another picture of. Oh um, yeah, that, that did the first time. You know, I think people are like, oh god, they 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 they, they sad, they poor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, if you join the Patreon uh, this month at our our second tier or higher, you're gonna get access to yet another mini episode. And it's a um, doozy. And it's a crazy doozy. Um, it's it's very ghostly. Um, so um, that'll be dropping this coming Friday. Um. And we usually drop those, I think, the the second week of the month. Um, so you all, and you also get access to our first one, our first mini episode, which was all about David Belasco and the haunting of the Belasco yeah. Theater, which was a really great, uh, a great episode. So be sure to uh, head on over to the patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine. That's patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine. And uh, join today. Um, and there's some other fun stuff as well. Um, but all that information is up on there. Um, I'm so excited to get into this episode today. Yeah, what are we doing today, Adam? Um, today is, I mean, you've done some missing people. Yes. And today, um, I've done one missing person, our dear Theodosia. Yes. But today, I'm doing a very prominent missing person. Oh. In fact, I am covering the missingest man in America. <laughs> How do you become the missingest? Um, I don't know, <laughs> but that is exactly what the title of this episode. And I love it. What this person was referred to in in the news, and he's referred to him as the missingest man in America, and this man who was the missingest man mm-hmm. in America uh, is Justice Joseph Force Crater. That's a great name. That is the fucking coolest name in the world. Joseph Force Crater, who is the missingest man in America. That is just and like it's fortunate that he also like became a justice because he also has justice in his name. Right. He's like Justice Joseph Force Crater. Gosh, like. I don't understand how there was an action movie made. I would watch that. Justice came early. <laughs> in a force of a crater. <laughs> Too bad this guy is like not that cool. Not that cool. <laughs> he's cool because he's missing. <laughs> um, but yeah. So. Who's this guy? Who's this justice force? So yeah. Um, he went missing in 1930. Hmm. And... Um, you know, again, called the missingest man in America. And, you know, I guess to be the missingest man in America, you had to be really missing, like really hard. Like missing hardcore. Like, oh, God, you're so missing. And he was missing hardcore. 
still is. But, but yeah, not, uh, not yet found. Um, but uh, I mean, maybe a, a level of prominence comes into play okay. in terms of what makes it the most missingest, like when so many people are searching for you. Right. Um, but I don't know. But whatever m- makes a person the missingest person in America, that's what Justice Crater was. And this is a strange tale with some big names. After all, it's not every day that a New York Supreme Court justice just ups and vanishes. Seriously. So yes, Justice of the New York Supreme Court, um, wow. the highest trial court in New York State, um, and he goes missing. So Joseph Crater was born in Easton, Pennsylvania. He was the eldest of four children of Frank Ellsworth Crater and the former uh, Layla Virginia Montague. Good God, these what the kind of names I are know, in this family? The names, but like. Um, <laughs> Crater studied law at Lafayette College and Columbia University. He was a member of Sigma Chi fraternity. Uh, during his time at Columbia, he meets his wife, Stella Wheeler, who at the time was married. Oh. Um, but he helped get her a divorce because he knows the law. <laughs> and then did, did he help her get a divorce because they wanted to hook up or? I mean, did, I that assume. That was just fortuitous that like, oh, yeah. oh here's your divorce. No, I think. Oh, I really like you though. No, I think it was, it was I think there was hanky okay. panks happened before the. <laughs> Before that, but very good observation, Christina. Mm-hmm. Like, was this? That's why they pay me the the, the big the big bucks on <laughs> on Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the pair married shortly thereafter in the spring of 1917. That kind of answers your question. They married yeah. like right after. Yeah. Um, Crater worked as a law clerk and a professor for a while uh, around New York. He would eventually land a job as secretary to New York Supreme Court Justice uh, Robert Wagner. Um, who would kind of take Joe under his wing. He would work uh, at Wagner's firm during Wagner's successful election campaign to the U.S. Senate. Hmm. So he became Senator Robert Wagner. And he would still kind of be under Wagner's wing during this. Nice. Crater would eventually uh, start making bank as a lawyer, um, really, you know, becoming high in demand, making a lot of money at it, kind of becoming pretty, pretty wealthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he, in fact, he made enough money to buy an apartment on Fifth Avenue, Not as bad. well as a summer home in Maine. Oh shit! All yeah. right. Both of these locations, which become uh, pretty interesting in this little tale, when he tell. becomes missing, is. Um, he apparently bought the apartment on Fifth Avenue as a gift to his wife Stella, which is kind of nice. What? Wow, gifting someone a Fifth so Avenue weird, apartment. Right? I, what no. I mean, like, what if Ed gifted you an apartment on Fifth Avenue? I would want to know which cops were after us from what bank robbery. Like, how do you, how, how do you, you gift Fifth Avenue? I don't even know. Mm. Don't even know. Don't even know. I just have visions of like Scrooge McDuck swimming in his. Which I always think that, you know, side note, this is for people who watch DuckTales. Oh. Um, and there would be that, that moment in DuckTales in the opening and in during the show when Scrooge McDuck would take a, a dive and bath into his like. Mm-hmm. But he would die because metal is hard. <laughs> um, Adam, did you know that they? Uh, it's a cartoon. Still, did you I, ever notice that? As like, a kid, as a kid, I watched this cartoon. And I was like, man, I would love to take a dive into money. But if I took a dive into money, I would die. Would you? Did you ever notice that Wild E. Coyote kept having like no, anvils dropped on him? All right, all right, <laughs> smart Alec. <laughs> um. Creator's life would uh, soon change for the better following his appointment to the New York State Supreme Court by Governor Franklin Delano Roosevelt in ah. April of 1930. 
Our old friend. Good old FDR. This is pre-New Deal FDR. This is Governor FDR. Governor FDR. Now, this was the late 20s, early 30s in New York. So if you wanted to go anywhere in, in the realm of politics and you wanted to get there in a hurry, you made friends with one certain group. And Christina, what's what's that group? It's a Tammany Hall. It's Tammany Hall. Ah, it's like goes. the word of the day. It's, can we just scream every time? Like, you know, like on PB. Yeah, Tammany Hall. And um, for those who don't know, the reason why we always say Tammany Hall, but for ghosts, is because when we, I, mean, I think we talked about this on the first episode, Maybe, yeah. but if you're just tuning in now, um, Tammany Hall was called the political machine in New York. And basically throughout the um, early 1900s into the and into the 30s mm-hmm. until until decline, um, if you wanted to to gain any sort of prominence, you basically hooked up with Tammany Hall, which um, paid off a lot of judges, paid off a lot of police, really had their hands in super politics, corrupt. just super corrupt. And when I proposed the show being called The New York Mystery Machine, my idea was, you know, The Mystery Machine is very, like, Scooby-Dooey, which mm-hmm. is, like, kind of how the, the, the show is. Like, we're silly, but we're doing mysteries. And Christina automatically went to, oh, like, Tammany Hall, the, 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 uh, the, the political machine. But it became, like, a great marriage of the two because, like, Tammany Hall is so synonymous with New York. Yeah. And The Mystery Machine is so synonymous with Scooby-Doo and together. There we go. We have Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. But for ghosts. So that's a little side tangent. If you, if you, if, you, if you've been wondering why, what the fuck? Are why do they keep saying Tammy Hall but for ghosts? That's why. So he was a chum to Tammy Hall, um, the whole gang, and you know everything that they brought to to New York politics, which is mm. mostly corruption. Right. Um, and um, an interesting fact was that the official candidate put forth by Tammany Hall mm-hmm. was actually passed over in favor of Crater. Oh. Which is a really kind of fascinating thing. Yeah, how do you thing. manage that? Well, many believe that Crater was, who was known for his sexual rendezvous mm. with showgirls, like you do. had paid off Tammany Hall bosses to secure the job. Mm. But it all kind of makes sense too, right? Because people who knew Crater described him as a comer, um, which is, you know, where we get up and comer from. Ah. And up and coming. Right, okay. Um, it's someone, you know, the dictionary defines as someone who is going places to to, to watch that right. person because they they kind of know what they want and they're going to be on the fast track to get it. Yeah. Um, so if there was ever a most likely to succeed category in New York <laughs> legislatures, it was Good Time Joe Crater. And that's his name, by the way. Is it really? His nickname was Good Time Joe oh my God. because of all the good times he was having Just with the show Good Time Crater. Yeah. Because of all the sex he's having. Right. right. <laughs> like, ooh, Sexy for, time creator. For a good time, call good time Joe. <laughs> this man is just filled with great names. I know, right? <laughs> like, like, your nicknames are great. Your, <laughs> you're born to great names. You're born parents. to great names. Like, Too bad you're kind of a disabled person. <laughs> well, you can't have everything. So the story of Crater's disappearance begins in the summer of 1930. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, before that, a little bit. Mm. For you see, it takes place right after the start of the first investigations of what would become the Seabury Commission. The Seabury Investigations was a joint legislative committee formed by the New York State Legislature on behalf of Governor FDR to probe into corruption in New York City, especially in the magistrates' courts mm. and the police department. It was headed by State Senator Samuel Hofstetter, who appointed Samuel Seabury uh, an anti-Tammany Democrat, mm-hmm. prominent lawyer, and past judge as legal counsel. Hmm. Uh, this led to major changes in the method of arrest, 
bail litigation of suspects in New York City. It also coincided with the decline of Tammany Hall's political influence in New York State politics. Cool. Um, so does this manhunt for corruption tie into this case? Perhaps. Maybe. Let's continue. So after the start of the commission, Creator and his wife, Stella, were vacationing in the summer home hmm. in Belgrade, Maine. Court was to reconvene in August on August 25th, so they had time. However, in late July, Creator received an odd phone call. We don't know who called or what they said, but Stella would say that the call had rattled him, making him visibly angry um, and, and almost red in the face. Did she hear his side of the conversation? Like, do we know anything about that? We don't really know anything about it, except okay. that it he was... was- Real rattled. Yeah. And so after hanging up and slamming the phone, he told her that he had to head back to city, head back to the city to, quote, straighten those fellas out. No. Offering no other information. Crater would leave the next day. Straightening those fellows out would lead us to believe that there were some issues back in New York that he needed to attend to. Right. Whether they be Tammy issues, Seabury issues, clearly things are about to like go down with all of this, um, you know, probing. But he left briskly. He would indeed head back to Manhattan, but that was just to make a pit stop at his 45th Avenue apartment before heading to Atlantic City. What was in Atlantic City, you ask? Well, that was his mistress. <laughs> Showgirl Sally Lou Ritzy, who went by the name Ritz on stage. Sally Lou Ritzy? Sally oh Lou Ritzy. Oh my God, I love it. After his romp with Sally, he would head back to Maine on August 1st. So he just had a... He just had a flip. He just wanted. This is all a ruse. This has nothing to do with anything. He just like faked a call for someone's like, oh no, I gotta go home. I gotta, I gotta, gotta go fix no, something. No, 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 he go just wanted something. to see his mistress. And by fix something, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean fix something. I have to head back to a uh, a fix something. <laughs> a few days later, on August third, Crater would leave again for New York with the promise of returning by his wife's birthday on the ninth. Uh-huh. Wheeler wasn't concerned or skeptical at all. She mentioned that Crater was in good spirits when he left and that she looked forward to seeing him on her birthday in just a few days. On August 4th, he would inform his maid that he'd be heading back to Maine on August 7th, a couple days early. He would go back to his office on August 5th. Nothing too crazy. Now, the morning of August 6th, well, that was a strange one. Crater began the day by going through files in his chambers, supposedly destroying several documents in the process. Afterward, he made his law clerk, Joseph Mara, cash in two checks for $5,150, which today would come out to $79,784. Oh, boy. Okay. The morning would end with Crater and Mara carrying two locked briefcases to his apartment around noon. He returned to his apartment and dismissed the maid, informing her that he planned on going swimming. Later, Stella would find this a very odd thing because Joe reportedly hated swimming. Interesting. She's like, I don't know why he would tell you to swimming. That's not that's not what he does. In any case, after that, Creator would then buy a Broadway ticket to see the comedy Dancing Partner at the Belasco Theater. Hey! The Belasco Theater. For more about what? the Belasco Theater, head on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash New York Mystery Machine to uh, learn more in our bonus episode for the month of January. Um, he would head over to the Belasco Theater and, go, and buy his ticket. And then he headed to dinner with um, his mistress, Ritzy, and William Klein, a lawyer friend, at Billy Ha's Chop House at 332 West 45th Street. Billy Haas Chop House. Why does that sound familiar somehow? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, 
it sounds like a chop house. I mean, yeah, and it sounds like a swanky place to, to mm-hmm. go and eat some steaks mm-hmm. before a Broadway show. That's the dream. That's what I want to do. I just want to go oh, like a to chop a steak- house, like a like a like a chop house, like a steakhouse. What did you think a chop house was? I don't know. My brain went to like chop suey or like <laughs> like I don't know, like a Chinese restaurant, and it sounded no. delicious. Okay, not a Chinese no. restaurant. Originally, Klein testified that after the end of dinner, Creator got into a taxi cab at 9.30 p.m. outside the restaurant, driving away west on 45th Street. Ritzy corroborated this testimony at first, but later both of them changed their story, stating that they had been the ones to enter the taxi cab, leaving uh, Creator behind. Interesting. Regardless of how the actual events of the night transpired, it would be the last time anybody would see Creator in the flesh. Interesting. And that was Ritzy and who? Uh, Klein. William Klein, another lawyer friend of his. Okay, okay. Days would pass, and there wasn't any kind of panic to Creator's disappearance. Uh, in fact, no one seemed to notice at first. However, on August 7th, Stella was quite concerned when her husband didn't arrive. Right, Because right. she knew that he was coming, he was coming up. back yeah. early. Um, so she sent the chauffeur to Manhattan to see what was up. Yeah. The maid answered the door and told him that the judge was bound to show up, show up sooner or later and that he'd make his way to Maine when he did. Weird answer. Yeah, and that's a quote from the maid. Interesting. Days would pass. Stella just assumed that he was working and his colleagues assumed that he was in Maine. It was kind of one of those, <laughs> I assume he's with his family. Right. Well, I assume that he's working. Right. Um, but no one really knew where he was. After not returning to Maine for over 10 days, Stella began making various phone calls to Creator's New York colleagues and friends in hopes of finding him. It was no use. No one seemed to know where he was. Days continued to pass. Each day, Stella called more people. She even started calling people who had she called days prior to that in the case that anything new had come up. Nothing. Finally, August 25th came around, the day Joe was supposed to be in court. But of course, he didn't show. Mm. At this point, a private investigation would begin. I have two theories. Oh, already? Theory one, Ritzy and Klein did it. I'm not sure why. By did it, I mean they killed him. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure. Or the maid did it. Because sure. that maid's real suspicious to me. Yeah, the maid is something I've heard a little less about in researching. Like, I only had like a few accounts of like the maid. Definitely her then. Um, but in any case. So, oddly enough, the court would operate without him for a full week. Oh. Um, finally, so was just like that's cool. Don't come then. Yeah, I mean they were concerned, but they didn't want to make a show out of it. So they were like privately be like, "Hey, have you seen Crater? Well, maybe we should go see is he by his, his apartment? Does his <laughs> wife know?" So they were like inquiring to right. where he was, but they just didn't know yeah, where he was. Sound the alarm. Um, finally, on September third, almost a full month since he was last seen, they decided that something actually needed to be done. Um, so they made a formal report to the NYPD, and the news of the missing justice made headlines across New York mm-hmm. and the country. This was like kind of national news. Yeah. It's a New York Supreme Court justice, right? Um, Jesus, if I go missing, can like, like wait a day and then like sound the fucking alarm? Yeah, I was gonna all say- these cases we listen to, they're always like, then they waited a month, <laughs> and then they call the ambulance. Like, no, don't, why are you waiting a month? Right. Don't wait a month. The first 48 hours are the most important. Nice. I will also say that a great podcast, not ours, but a great podcast. <laughs> ours isn't good. <laughs> uh, Crime Junkie. 
they often talk about how you should also have an if you go missing folder so that everybody can just immediately access your accounts and make sure that like track your credit card where are you figure that out oh what which I think is brilliant that's brilliant yeah like, that's good PC, PSA yeah it's like hey you'll know my credit yeah it's good that's yeah this smart. is this is you know and it's really easy too because like in modern technology I can just give someone my password to my Chase right app <laughs> exactly right and then at least you can see like art if Does someone use someone there? using this maybe it's Adam maybe it's not Adam but like we should yeah. find out who that is yeah yeah but um did I create that folder no but I think it's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> should I have one absolutely <laughs> did I create it no no, no I did not mm-hmm. so at first things kind of seem straightforward in this missing case um and by that, I mean, this commission was happening. Mm-hmm. The probe was going down, and things were about to shake up for the Tamni Elite. So it became kind of logical to get yourself out of the light before being thrusted into papers in the midst of a corruption right. scandal. So once it was made clear just how just how for sale the judges were and who they were, uh, it would kind of be the end to a lot of people's success right. in, in this kind of operation in the, in, in the world. District Attorney Thomas Crane was tracing payoffs directly to political bosses affiliated with Tammany Hall's Cayuga Democratic Club, of which oh. Crater was the president of. Oh, okay. So he was going to get caught yeah. somehow, some way. There were a few leads in the early stages of the search. Mm-hmm. One was that Crater's safe deposit box was empty and his two briefcases were missing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't recall, the two briefcases held the, 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 the shit money, ton of money. The shit ton of money that they took out. But those led nowhere and didn't add any additional information. Mm-hmm. Finding out about the huge deposit also felt like a big break. But without a trace of the where and the why, the how didn't really matter. Mm. Because we didn't really understand the motivation. We didn't understand right. where. So the how kind of like, well. Right. <laughs> there were some reports that had him hiding out in a hunting lodge near the Canadian border. The lodge was owned by one Timothy Quillinan, who was district attorney in Troy. Mm-hmm. This happened to be the man who succeeded Crater at Senator Wagner's prestigious Manhattan law firm after Crater went to the bench. Okay. So after, so he right. got the promotion after Crater right. moved to, um, you know, being a justice. High, high court but the state police denied there was ever any searching the area for Crater. So the state police were like, no one's up here. So the reports of him being here make no sense because no one actually came to look for him. Right. Crane got a grand jury to dig into bank books, telephone records, and safety deposit boxes, and also nothing led anywhere. Okay. Um, Stella flatly refused to answer questions. Wagner, for his part, moved very swiftly to disassociate himself from the judge, mm-hmm. who had long been considered Wagner's personal protege. Mm-hmm. When asked why, the senator insisted that he hardly knew the man. Oh, Which is really wow. weird because they knew each other quite Real well. well. Real well. I mean, like, literally... There's record of them working together, which for is many like such a, a stupid, like excuse to use in that case, right? Like it's not a... like yeah, like we know that you knew him. Just you can be like we're not friends, right? Like we work together, we're colleagues. Like I don't know anything else. Like, no, I'm gonna go with that. I don't know. I don't know him. <laughs> Calm down, Peter. <laughs> that's a that's a Jesus reference. <laughs> Peter, don't you know what you have said? That's a Jesus Christ superstar reference. Look at that. You go. Okay. Um, on September 17th, 1930, the New York Daily News placed Crater on their front page with a reward of $5,000 going to anyone who finds him. Ooh. Once this happened, 
Well, you can just imagine what occurred next. Millions of people right. would start to claim that they had seen the missing justice. He's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that's anytime you see something, it's like, oh, I saw him. I saw him here. It's kind of like when people's thoughts about Elvis when Elvis died. They're right. like, oh no, he, I saw him here. And I saw him here. Like there's so many, um, there's so many like cases about people saying, oh, they saw it. But like that was a big thing. People are like, no, I, I saw the judge. Oh, I saw the judge. Because everyone's just trying to get that five thousand yeah. dollars. Because you learned, we learned earlier that's like seventy something thousand dollars in that time. Um, but it all kind of nowhere, and it also kind of just added to the noise. Okay, and that's yeah. the thing, right? Like because there's so many people saying that they seen him. Like any chance for an actual real gem of a lead kind of gets lost in the shuffle because yeah. there's so much other noise right. kind of like blasting through, being like, "I know where he is. I've seen him." <laughs> They also would begin to ID every dead body they found in a hotel room to make sure it wasn't him. Oh, wow. Which is like, geez, how many people were found dead in hotel say, rooms? But then again, I don't know. Big you state, listen, you listen to our podcast enough to know that a lot, a lot of people actually. A lot of people get found dead in their hotel Wait rooms. Wait till next week. Wait till next week, apparently. Um, but apparently, a lot of people are dying in hotel rooms. Left and right. Left and right in 1930. A month later in October, the grand jury investigation was convened to uncover uh, more about the tragedy. Despite containing more than 95 witnesses and 975 pages oh of God. testimony, making it one of the biggest missing person cases of the 20th century, the trial concluded that there was insufficient evidence pointing to whether Crater was dead or alive. I guess that's what makes you the missingest person. Right. When there's 975 pages of testimony. <laughs> When there's not much testimony. I mean, you're definitely the missingest. You're definitely the missingest person in America. The final tangible trace of Crater would be uncovered on January 21st, 1931. Mm-hmm. Crater's wife, Stella, found a series of envelopes filled with stocks, bonds, and a note in Crater's dresser drawer, which had previously been empty when it was examined by the police for investigation. Weird. Theories as to what happened to Crater ranged from the tangible to the extreme, many of which we'll chat about in just a minute. As the news of his disappearance spread, many a showgirl came forward as being a lover to him. Which, jeez. Mm-hmm. Poor Stella. Poor Stella. Like, it's like, I don't know how much she knew or didn't know. Mm-hmm. Erroneous. Right. Like, whether she knew her husband was, like, cheating on him. She yeah. probably did. Because yeah. it, everyone seemed to know that he, he like, loved showgirls. Mm-hmm. I good, assume his wife did out. as well. Um, but, like... Have to be mourning like your husband being missing and or dead and having stories of like woman after woman after woman after woman after woman yeah. coming out being like, oh, that's I was rough. also fucking him. Right. Yeah, um, that's terrible. That's like rough. Unless it was Stella. I mean, sure. she killed him. Yeah. I mean, there's that moment of like the, the idea of um, the drawer that was previously empty that wasn't right. empty What anymore. is that about? Um, Although that goes back to my theory about the maid. There's a lot of like loose ends like that in this where like they're kind of grazed over because like there's this not a substantial amount right. to like figure out what it is. Yeah. But as these these women came forward and more and more came forward, um, many would start believing that maybe Joe decided to flee the town with another woman. Right. Start a new life with, with someone else. And, but in any case, there was no real solution. Crater would be declared dead legally in 1939, and the case would officially be closed 40 years later in 1979. Wow. So what do you think happened to him? Uh, I'm very, I don't know, I, I don't know why. I'm so suspicious of the maid. Um, I think her answer at the door was real weird. I think the envelope showing up out of nowhere is real weird in a dresser that they'd already been in. I think I think she's real weird about everything. Um, 
Could be that he was in hiding and came back, but then why would he leave the bonds, right? Like it was filled with bonds and cash mm-hmm. and things, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, sit on those for a bit. We have some theories. Okay. Um, we also have some unfortunate ramifications of him going missing. Oh. And we even have a bit of a twist. Oh. So make sure you come back after this commercial break mm. for more on the most missingest justice <laughs> in the world, Justice Joseph Force Crater. <laughs> He's real missing. We'll be back in just a few minutes. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black and white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Missing Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox. BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats. Your first box ships immediately. Plus... BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right. So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox valued at $35 when you sign up for multi-length plans. Okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine and get your pup some treats today. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMYSTERYMACHINE for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NYMYSTERYMACHINE. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow. All right, we are back, and we have thoughts. We have thoughts. So the first theory that has been floated many, many years here to what happened to him was that he fled um, to start a new life, Yeah, which is a very common theory about this. Makes sense. And this, exactly, this one makes a bunch of sense. With this investigation happening, he would most certainly be asked to testify against many people he called friends, and certainly mm-hmm. people who helped him to get where he was. Like, he'd have yeah. to testify against Tammy Hall. Yeah. Or about Tammy Hall, rather. There was also a rumor of him buying and selling judgeships himself. Right. Um, remember what I said about how he was appointed a justice? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he wasn't even the candidate that Tammany Hall wanted. Right, but he probably paid somebody But off somehow, some way, he got... It's me! He jumped the line, right? There's a lot of corruption, and the smart thing to do may have been to just leave. Yeah. And if that's so, then where did he go? Well, there were reports over the years that he had been seen... Uh, 
in a few places uh, in California. Oh, all right. In 1936, a gold prospector named hmm. Lucky Blanket went to the LAPD to report that he saw a crater in Julian, California, which would ex- which was experiencing a gold rush at the time. Wow. Lucky said the man approached him and eventually told him who he was. He told him that, quote, in one more year, I'll be legally dead. I hope I can stick it out that long. Interesting. Also weird that the judge would be like, hello, old prospector. He's like, oh, hello there. <laughs> I saw this guy. <laughs> and he told me he was Judge Cradle. <laughs> My name is Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky blanket. Okay. I'm fishing for the goals in these pots. Because <laughs> he's an old prospector. It's very good. I was hoping there would be an old prospector voice as uh, soon I mean, as you said it. <laughs> not, not to be confused with the old Southern gentleman. No, very different. They're very different. Obviously. But the, the old prospector. My name is Lucky. I kind of want Lucky and old prospector. And, um... Southern uh, gentlemen's talk. Yeah, to yeah. have like a conversation together. Unfortunately, we can only do that on Patreon. But if oh. you want to hear that conversation, it'll be available <laughs> as a mini episode in which it'll just be me as both of those characters. Um, but Lucky's story actually is supported by another report made with the LAPD. Really? Yeah. So there's Isn't another that report that was made with the LAPD's Missing Persons Bureau five years prior. This time, um, Crater was seen just 60 miles from Julian. Local authorities and New York detectives began to search. While investigating, many people said they recognized Crater from the photo that they was being shown by the uh, law officers. Oh. A storekeeper remembered him buying $5 worth of food, while another guy said that the man in the picture seemed to be well-educated but sucked at mining. <laughs> now, if you remember, he did take out all of that money the day he went missing. Mm-hmm. However, one report says Stella found the money. Another report says that, that she doesn't really find the money. Um... It may have been confused with the other things that you found. Right. Um, but just the idea of perhaps like money being an important part of this. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he didn't take, like you said earlier, he didn't take bonds and he didn't take right. a lot of cash. Like, so for the most part, like wherever he was going, if he was going someplace, he needed to find some sort of resource right. in the future. I guess he was like, I guess I'll go mining for gold. Mm-hmm. I like to believe he like he went and like because he always they always said that he was very dapperly dressed like mm-hmm. he's a very dapper man. <laughs> so I'd like to believe that like he went like mining for gold in his like his suit and tux and yeah that'd like, be. I'm mining for gold. Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't raise any alarms. Uh, uh, excuse me, sir. Um, how do I mine for the gold? <laughs> well, <laughs> you just put the, the plate there. <laughs> <sighs> The next thing, <laughs> we have fun, kids. The next theory was thought of by journalist Richard J. Tofel. Mm-hmm. Tofel wrote the book *Vanishing Point: The Disappearance of Judge Creator and the New York He Left Behind*, um, which was published in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, now, his theory is a little different. He concluded that Creator's body was disposed of after he died of natural causes. Oh. So. Tofel didn't believe that Creator got into a cab after dinner. Remember how I said right. there were two stories? Right. That they said one thing and then they changed it to another. Um, one uh, one story was that he got into the cab and the other one said that the other two got into the cab. Well, Tofel reexamined the testimony of Ritzy and Klein, the people who had had dinner with that night, and realized that the story definitely had changed. Furthermore, Dancing Partner, the show he had a ticket for, mm-hmm. was only a 10-minute walk away from the restaurant. 
Okay. So Tofu believes that after catching the second half of the show, Crater may have made his way to a nightclub and then eventually wound up at a brothel operated by famous madam Polly Adler. Tofu suggests that while soliciting service from the venue, Crater died of natural causes. He claimed an early draft of Adler's memoir is said to have specifically mentioned Crater's death and the subsequent move removal of his body by one of Adler's mobster friends. Unfortunately, no copies of this early draft have been found. So I think that's a stretchy the stretch stretch. I think it's a stretchy the stretch stretch. Well, here's the thing. This thing happened. Um, what was the evidence of it? Oh, it's in a book. I read it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Who cool, else read cool, the cool. book? Well, just me. Well, is there a copy of it? No, 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 no. no more copies of that book. And also, like, a couple things that don't really add up to me, including there's no ev- no evidence that to use brothels a bunch. Seems like he just paid off, you know, like got some showgirls and we're like, and he hey, pay, he didn't pay anyone off, right? Like, he, he just, just he just went on some... dates with hot showgirls yeah. and called it a day. So like, why not just do that? Yeah, I mean. The one part of it that makes sense is that he doesn't call a cab to walk 10 minutes from you know, yeah. the Chop House to the Belasco Theater. But then again, maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he just want to get his dapper dapper clothes all undappied. Sure. But um, I think the other stuff is kind of very yeah. stretchy. Now, the next theory is not too surprising. Mm-hmm. Perhaps mm-hmm. Creator was murdered. Yes, absolutely. Murder most foul. <laughs> According to NYPD historian John Pedraki, this is the semi-official consensus. While many believe that he would be too afraid to testify about Tammany Hall, mm-hmm. others think Creator was prepared to expose them for corruption, and the mob silenced him before he had the opportunity. That makes a lot of sense. At the time of her husband's disappearance, and reasserted in an interview 25 years later, Stella Creator believed that Joe had been kidnapped and murdered. Stella is quoted by saying... Joe Crater would not run away from anything or anybody. Yeah. Which I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. <laughs> because I, the mob would go and kill you. I also don't know that he was really prepared to testify because he was destroying documents. Yeah. Like, if you're going to testify, you want those documents, likely. Yeah. Unless they were just self-incriminating, but if they already have that dirt yeah. on him. So. And also, like, he just was elected. I mean, he was just, like, appointed this supreme court justice mm-hmm. is he ready to lose that because he's gonna lose it right like there's no way that he goes that he doesn't go down with it right so him exposing the mob seems like a very yeah odd choice i mean the expo- exposing the corruption seems like an odd choice because he's gonna go down with it and he loses everything as well right 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 now before we continue i think it's also important to note the impact that creator's disappearance had on a few people okay um, and those people are three women. His wife, Stella Wheeler, mm-hmm. June Bryce, who was another showgirl, mm. and his mistress, Sally Lou Ritzy. Okay. For Stella, it was a tough go. After losing Creator and his income, she was unable to afford their Aww. 5th Avenue apartment and lived off an income of just $12 a week earned as a telephone operator in Maine. Aww. She would go on to meet her third husband, Park Coons, Uh, a New York electrical contractor, marrying him on April 23rd, 1938. However, eventually the two separated in 1950, and she would pass away at age 70 in 1969. And then there's Sally Lee Ritzy. Following the events of August 1930, Ritzy fled the city and was found living in Youngstown, Ohio. Um, She did this in September, citing that she had left following the news of her father's illness. For years, not much was known about the remainder of her life. But all that changed in 2014. 
Following the publication of her book, The Wife, The Maid, and The Mistress, author Ariel Lorhorn received an intriguing email from Bert Weist announcing herself as Gritzy's granddaughter. Ooh. Um, Weist recounted her grandmother's story, stating that after leaving, Gritzy changed her name, got married, had a child. Rather than meeting a fate as tragic as her lover, Ritzy would go on to lead a relatively healthy and successful life before dying peacefully in 2000. And finally, June Bryce. We haven't heard about June because she was like one of these other women in the. One of many. uh, Yeah. Um, June suffered a lot. She was another showgirl, and though she didn't come out as one of Joe's girls, following Creator's appearance, speculations as to her involvement began to circulate mm. because she had been seen talking to Creator the day right before. Mm-hmm. Wheeler's lawyer believed that Bryce was at the center of a scheme to blackmail Creator, which would explain why Creator cashed in his checks on the day of his appearance mm. and how the money wasn't found in one theory. Right. <laughs> Moreover, the lawyer... Um, postulated that Crater was potentially killed by a gangster boyfriend of Bryce's. On the day of the grand jury trial was set to begin, Bryce disappeared and would be found years later in 1948 living inside a mental hospital. Oh. And that is these three women's fate who were linked up in some way yeah. with Crater. And for many years, um, that was kind of the end of of the search, you know, as I said before, he was declared legally dead. Yeah, they closed the case in the seventies, and that was kind of it. I'm suspicious of Ritzy. Oh yeah. I mean, she's the last one to see him alive. She and Klein, right? So, if he did die of natural causes, let's just play with that theory. They could have been the ones to dispose the body somehow. That makes sense to me. Sure. Why? Just disappearing to Ohio. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we don't get a lot about Ritzy and Klein after we got this little yeah. bit of the story that we find Klein, uh, we find Ritzy, we don't really hear about Klein ever, but yeah. also there's a sense of motivation, like, where's the motivation on all that? We're just saying it happened because it happened. Yeah. There's no there's no real motivation for any ideas of murder. Okay. They all, all right. kind of, I mean, if you if you heard something that I, I missed, they kind of all, like, l- just linger in the air of, like... yeah. I don't know. Could have happened. What else could have happened? Yeah. I mean, could have murdered him, but like, what was the reason for it? Like, what was the what was the gain? There seemed to be no gain in anyone murdering this man. Right. No, that's fair. That's fair. Unless um, the only thing was unless he was going, going to, to testify, testify and someone needed to quiet him. Well, there was no word on this case for years, but all that changed in 2005. Ooh. In 2005, Stella Ferrucci Good of Belrose, Long Island, died on April 2nd, but she left behind what may be. A big old key to this mystery. She wrote a handwritten letter, sealed it in an envelope, and marked the envelope, quote, do not open until my death. Her granddaughter, Barbara O'Brien, found it in a metal box in her grandmother's home after she died. In the letter, which was open, Ferrucci Good claimed that her late husband, Robert Good, discovered what really had happened to Justice Crater. An NYPD cop named Charles Burns and his cab driver brother, Frank Burns, were responsible for Judge Crater's death. Mm. She said that Crater was murdered and buried in Coney Island underneath the boardwalk near West 8th Street at the current site of the New York Aquarium. She also claimed that Officer Burns was one of the cops assigned to guard notorious Murder Inc. killer (laughs) Abe Kid Twist Relays when he somehow plunged to his death from the sixth floor window of a Coney Island hotel in 1941. Interesting. 
this makes sense. This makes sense to me somehow because I also have been wondering all along, like if Tammany Hall's all about corruption and politicians and with um, cops and and all, like what makes anybody think that like any New York cop is going to be like, yep, really want to find this guy. This guy's got all the dirt on us. Yeah. Also, the metal box. Um, in the metal box were yellow clipping or yellowed clippings of Crater's disappearance mm. um, with scribble notations in the margins. O'Brien's father, William St. George, said the police told family members that five bodies were actually found when the Coney Island Aquarium was being built. Oh. Police sources confirmed that skeletal remains were found at the aquarium site in the mid 50s. Those remains were supposedly being examined to see if they can find a link to Judge Crater. But um, there was no news I found on it. Mm. And so I assume if there's no yeah. news of it, that it either didn't happen or it wasn't Just a match. Yeah. Um, police sources also confirmed that there was an officer named Charles Burns with the NYPD from 1926 to 1946, hmm. and that he spent the better part of his career assigned to the 60th Precinct in Coney Island. Interesting. When she found the note, O'Brien told the New York Post, quote, I thought it was a joke and I laughed and I gave it to the police. I don't know if it's fact or fiction. So um, that kind of becomes the last theory. I I don't know if I believe that one either. Really? I, I feel like that's the most plausible so far. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and it feels it feels like a lead because like there's actually like motive ish. But again, there was no like this is like real motive aside from like us saying that well right. the cops don't want to be found. The cops out. don't want them to be found. The mobs don't want them to be found. Like. That those those do make some sort of sense to me. I do think in the end there's a lot of theories. Um, I think running away is a big theory. No, that's absolutely possible. As well. I think that's still for me. I think the mo- my most prominent thought. Um, yeah. If it's murder, I mean, it's a very clean murder, and I think that at this point they would have tested those skeletal remains if that was. If that well, was that's match. a question I have too, which is that they didn't have kids, did they? No. So, like, I'm wondering what access we have to DNA for him. Mm. That's true. Right, you know what is we would presumably have to go through a relative of some kind, and you know, yeah, that's tricky. Well, despite all this, creator story has actually become ingrained into popular lexicon. One popular phrase which emerged was to quote pull a crater, colloquially meaning to disappear. Though it's not really used widely anymore. Um, I think we should bring it back. I know, but apparently it was used uh, in, in pop culture. Um, and like many nightclubs, um, comedians would use the phrase, quote, Judge Crater, call your office <sighs> as a standard gag for years following the disappearance. Crater also had been referenced in numerous television shows, including MASH, Golden Girls and Archer. Oh, um, this just that this idea of pulling Crater. Yeah. Um, Crater's missing. So he was used um, as, Interesting. That, as a bit of a punchline. Crater's wife, Stella, remembered his disappearance every single year for the rest of her life oh. by visiting a bar in Greenwich Village every August 6th. She'd sit by herself, order two drinks, down one, and after she downed it, would say, quote, good luck, Joe, wherever you are. Aww. And there we That's have. That's very sweet. And that sad. is the, the missingest man in America, Justice Joseph Force Creator. Good time, Joe. Good time, Joe. Wow. Bit of a doozy, that one. That is a doozy. That's a good one. If you guys have theories, please, as send always, us, send, send us, us on the socials. Send us. Um, we'll do one of those. What do you think happened mm-hmm. on our on our Insta story? And we'll post uh, what you guys think. Um, 
If you have theories, you could also put those in the the the, the rating and the review spot yeah. in iTunes. But while you do there, also hit us with five stars. Tell us what you like, um, and we'll uh, we'll read those on the air. And uh, follow us on all the socials at NY Mystery Machine on Facebook, Instagram, and at NY Mysteries on the Twitter. And Adam, you thank you it. for a crazy, crazy story. Yeah, where could he be? Where could he be? Did he die? What did the maid know? What did the maid know? The maid knew something. Something was weird. What she know? He's fine. He's not here. Get out of here. <laughs> he'll he'll be there he'll, when he's he'll be there when he's there. <laughs> My theory is that the maid was in cahoots with the old prospector. Ooh, twist. Twist. Hot take there. Oh. Does he want gold? <laughs> this is quickly going to come uh, a bad decision on behalf of the show to me to continue to, to use the old prospector. No, I think it's My great. My apologies this is, to, this is what the people to want. all those listening. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, missing, never found, and maybe never will ever know what happened. But um, another case down by by your folks here at the uh, New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall. But, but for ghosts. ghosts. And now you know what that means if you didn't know before. Now you know.